as I've come to learn through my son's brilliant exp- explaining of things, there's a difference in a personal page and a page page. Um, pages, uh, he's shaking his head because I don't know what I'm talking about. There's not um, even such a thing as a page page. Please page, don't page, ever call per- it a page Personal page. page. <laughs> but there's you can have a, a church page and a personal page. And you never need to mix the There's two. There's still not even such a thing as a personal page. There's never a personal mind. profile. Yeah. Well, I'll let you explain. <laughs> this is your, this is your opportunity to speak while I sit quietly and wait for you to ask me another question. <laughs> Fantastic. Hello, and welcome to Rescuing Churches with Stan and Josh Gibbons. This is the official podcast of 614 Ministries, where we exist to renew vision and restore hope at struggling churches across the country. With over 80% of churches in decline and 1,500 pastors a month battling depression, we strive to equip members and encourage ministers to pursue new directions of stability and growth. What is up, guys? Welcome to another episode of Rescuing Churches. I am Josh Givens, joined as always by my father, 614 Ministries Executive Director Stan Givens. Dad, to everybody. thanks for being here for this podcasting thing that we do. The thing we do. Today we're going to dive into this topic of five essential features of a small church. And Dad, you've written a list here of five essential features of a small church. And the first one is a digital presence. Yeah, and let me just clarify. We're saying uh, these are essential for modern-day church to, to be able to grow, reach people, to be healthy. Um, I believe these are vital and important. They should be evaluated. If your church is missing one or several of these, this is something you need to just prioritize and work on. Right. And the first one is this is like the front door of your church. We talked about this in a previous podcast, and we'll put those notes uh, below in the show notes. But um, you need to have some sort of digital presence because the new front door of a church, people check your church out online, at least in social media through Facebook. They're going to check your church out before they come to your building. If you're, if you have a Facebook page for your church, which is kind of like what you would set up for a business or anything like that. It's really easy to get confused between the two, as Dad just so well demonstrated. And lives confused. And lives in that world of confusion. Always confused. <laughs> so, and, and it's very easy to confuse your customers or your clients or, in our case, the people that are attending your church. So that's not something you want to do. Um, there's, there's a lot of really easy ways that you can kind of keep your Facebook identity straight in, in all of this. And... Whatever you do, don't use your current personal Facebook profile, which is you, like Stanley Dallas Givens. Facebook profile. Right. Your profile to create a new personal profile and then use that for businessy purposes. Right. So in other words, don't create another profile, which would be like Under a person. Like a person. Yeah. Well well, don't don't create another profile and name it something for a business or a church. You wouldn't create a profile and name it 614 Ministries. So there's a difference in a profile and a page is what you're telling me. 
Yeah. Okay. There's been a difference in a profile on a page for the last several That's years. Awesome. Yes. Cool. Yes. I got it. Now, now we're now we're on the same page as yeah, it were. <laughs> I got it. I got it. <laughs> this is killing me. This yeah. is absolutely killing me. But you should have so, weekly posts on this page. Yeah, you should. Page. You should have weekly posts on that page, and it's just really important to make sure that you do it right because if you do it wrong, and this is what a lot of people don't know, and I want to point this out for pastors especially the, the small church pastors that are in the middle of having to try to figure this out themselves, it will actually violate Facebook's policies if you create a profile and then start posting business stuff on it or even church stuff Ministry, on it. Yeah. If, you start, if you create a profile as a person that and Facebook sees it as a person, but you're post, posting like you're a business or a church or an mm-hmm. organization mm-hmm. or a nonprofit, which is what a church is, um, that's actually a violation that goes against Facebook's terms of use and, and right. policy. So that's good. It's not just a bad thing in that world. It's just going to flat out annoy your followers because then they're just going to get more confused. So stay away from that. Good. And a bunch of this can be understood if you'll read the last couple of blogs, several blogs uh, that Josh has written on his blog page, jdgivens.com. And you follow that blog and really help you if you're trying to figure out how to do that well and have some uh, excellence in your your online presence. That's kind of the front door of the of the deal, though. Your your social media and your website right. are really really the the digital front door of your church right. these days. And you need to have some on your social media, especially once you've got your page capital P up and running. And, and you've linked it to your personal profile, you're now what they call the administrator of that page. So right. you're, you're the admin. You're in control. Like with the 614 Facebook page, you, you know, Dad and I are on there as admins, so we have the authority to post and delete comments and things like things of that nature. And you're able to kind of run all of that. But the general public's not going to be able to see what is on your personal profile versus your Facebook business page and how it's all linked up and stuff like that. They're right. not going to be able to see all that. Right. So, um, but but yeah, try to have some interactive things and have weekly, daily posts that are interactive for the people that are that are following. Yeah, and we we have some good notes on that in Josh's blog. So please follow him and learn how to do that. Or you can always contact us at six fourteen rebuild at gmail.com and we'll help you with any of that we can yeah and the second thing that we want to point out here for the five essential features of a small church is a community presence which dad has a term for called onboarding tell us a little bit of what what you mean by that i just mean you have to have a place that you can go collect people up and and your local neighborhood probably should be that Um, for many of us small churches that are in decline the people that used to drive in or the people that founded the church moved out of the neighborhoods 10 and 20 and 30 years ago. Some of these churches are, you know, our church is over 50 years old. One of the churches in Georgia we worked at was a hundred and something years old. Oh yeah, that's and, right. And some of the founding people, um, no longer live in that community. They've moved far out and they drive back. Mm-hmm. But as those people slowly pass away or no longer attend, you end up with a church that doesn't have an identity in its community. And so you need to have, you need to adopt the neighborhood around the church. Um, I like what Rainer says all the time. Tom Rainer on his uh, podcast all the time reminds us that your church zip code is no accident. Right. Your church address is no accident. It's no Absolutely. accident that God put your church on that street in that neighborhood in that community. He wants that neighborhood to be interacting with your church. And so we need to learn to love our neighbors and, and we need to get close to our neighbors. And our church is really 
you know, kind of lost its way in some of that here. And we're trying to get back to that. I'm really pushing uh, our people and pushing myself to make sure we do that. The Good right. Samaritan story is crystal clear <laughs> that we're to love our neighbor Definitely. as ourselves, and we're to show uh, mercy and kindness to those. And by the way, you shouldn't love the neighborhood as a church. If your goal in loving the neighborhood is to grow the attendance of your church, you've it's got all wrong. upside down. Yeah, you've got the wrong motives for sure. Yeah, the goal is to love them because Jesus does, and you want Absolutely. them to love Jesus. And if they decide to attend your church or any other church in the community, all is good. Um, what you want to do is love them to Jesus and teach them about Jesus' love. And I think a church can have a great community presence like that. And it gives people a, a way to enter in the church now. So we've got a front door. Now we've let them enter in. Yep. And then once they get there, we got to go to that third one. Yep. Which is a good hosting ministry, another essential feature of a small church. Once you kind of build some community presence and some relationships, you've got to have this really comfortable way for them to connect. How does that work? Yeah, and that just means, you know, you don't need, you know, grumpy granny at the door greeting. Really? You know, no grumpy grannies? No more grumpy grannies at the door greeting. Um, you need you need people that are good hosts and hostesses. Um, you need people that are that are people gifted. Mm-hmm. Not, I'm I'm a introvert, not an extrovert. And uh, so I don't greet You're an well. Introverted pastor that has to <laughs> preach every Sunday. <laughs> Absolutely. Wow terrifying that is terrifying. um but but the truth is uh we have to have we need we need to find out who the extroverts are and encourage them to become hosts at the church they need to be the people standing at the front door standing near the coffee pot giving directions helping kids get to the how do you, church how do you area. uh if you're a small church pastor tell me how you how you seek those people out how do you round those people well, if you're a small church pastor you know the people of your church very well <laughs> so the guy that won't stop talking to you yeah <laughs> and you can't get him to stop talking so you can get in your car and go home hey let me put you over here and have i have an idea i people. have a place for you to serve buddy here we go so um but you you can you you, you want a good um gifted host at that level absolutely and, and then you want to just try to slowly work up a team of people that can do that some some people are good at you know handing out the programs or the bulletins or the the um, teaching notes that you're going to use and they can be part of that uh, some people are good at just making the coffee and being a welcomer at the coffee table but they don't want to you know show them upstairs and talk them around the church and tell the history of the church or any of that so you want to cut a couple of things you don't want to do is you don't want to overwhelm people um, we, we, as small church in the past, we've had a real problem of over greeting. Oh yeah. It's like you're desperate for that oh, first yeah. visitor. So somebody walks in and you just all kind of attack, attack them. them. Yep, you yeah. Swarm them. <laughs> and then they realize your desperation, you know, and they're wondering why are y'all so desperate? Apparently something's wrong here. Yeah. It's because there's only five people in the room and you were the sixth. <laughs> That's right. So, so you want to, you want to help not overwhelm them, but you, you kind of have to learn the, the deal and then you have to avoid, um, your church people gathering up to themselves, especially pre-service. You have mm, teacher people mm. in the early part of the service when, when everybody's just wandering into the sanctuary to prepare for worship or whatever. Uh, if we're all huddled up to ourselves and a guest comes in and sits down, um, we don't need to stay huddled up to ourselves. Somebody's got to break the huddle and yep. go over and greet. And you don't need to take the whole group with you, but you can always introduce them to somebody else and kind of hand them off one at a time. And I really think you have to be careful uh, not to have those holy huddles that uh, can be really inclusive and strangers don't want to be a part of. And uh, then you don't want to have shallow connections with them. So um, just just slowly teaching your church um, how to do that well. Um, my, my mom was really great at making people feel welcome. And um, you have to work on teaching your church that family learns how to welcome family. And family 
invites family. And so when, as a church, when we have new people, we had a guy today, first time uh, here, and uh, I just wanted him to feel like he's part of our family today. Right. And I think we did that. Yep. Uh, by the grace of God, I think we did that. So, <laughs> um, and we just want to make them feel welcome. And so, you know, our hosting team has a little snacks and food because food always helps. Oh, yeah. So, food always helps. Yeah. <laughs> so it's just real important. Once they're here, you got to find a way to get them to, to feel welcome, feel part of the family. That's the third one. Definitely. That, that's a good tip. The fourth thing here that kind of rings out in the essential features of a small church is good small groups. We call them growth groups here at our church. Mm-hmm. How do those kind of work into all of this when you kind of talk about it like at a, at a practical level for a church? Your growth group, your small groups in your church, Sunday school class, whatever you call them, is the place where that person or that family is actually going to get connected to real people. It's not a it's not a larger assembly, right. 30, 25, 30, 40 people at a time um, where you're sitting in rows and you're isolated. Yeah. You're sort of barriered. Yeah. Uh, if you think about the way a sanctuary actually works, we've been re- redoing our sanctuary. Oh, yeah, we've redone ours. And, yeah, a couple yeah. of different ways, and, and there's just all these barriers between us, and so... You can literally avoid, if you sit yourself in the right place in a sanctuary, you can avoid contact with people and all oh, yeah. that stuff. So, yeah. but, but ideally a small group is where, um, you're just going to invite them into a little more intimate setting of your church family. You want them to get to, you know, get to know you better. And a small, a healthy small group is a place where we're going to take serious prayer requests and really pray for each other. We're going to check on each other throughout the week. We're learning the same spiritual, uh, direction. We're growing in the same, Content. We've decided we're going to study the book of whatever uh, together from the New Testament or Old Testament. We decided we're going to study this theme together. Uh, we're going to watch these videos together and dialogue them. So, so we're all in, moving in the same direction, and we have this this uh, sort of deeper relationship that begins to build. So, once they've connected through a hosting ministry and kind of landed, and you got them settled into the church and feel comfortable. You just want to invite them into a deeper family relationship with your small groups, and you want to spend time training them, uh, training your teachers, if necessary, how to do small groups. I think the pastor's role is to help uh, small group leaders be good at, at leading small groups. Uh, we have a couple of excellent small group leaders here. That's just a grace of God thing for us. Oh, yeah. That God definitely. sent us some good, they're quality teachers, so they, they study well and learn well and teach well. Definitely. But they're also very gifted at making the teaching time and the fellowship time important and they highlight getting to know each other and they bring food and it's just fun it's fun to be a part of the small groups and so you want to try to work on those practical things and then you also want your small group to have really good topics you know the topic doesn't need to be something that doesn't help sure so if it's if you have a bunch of young families get some material that helps young families survive young family life you know, if you have a bunch of senior citizens, get some topics yeah, that help your senior citizens. It's got to be relevant. Yeah. Yeah, it's got to be get relevant. Get some topics that help your senior citizens. So Yeah, that's good. Really, really good. All right. Well, closing out here at number five on our five essentials of a small church is an online giving portal. Yeah, and I'll get you probably to talk some of this too. But uh, this really helps with um, the 35 and down, really 45 and down generation now. Uh, we learned a while back as our as a church. It's probably been mm-hmm. five or six years ago. I think yeah. our silent partner Michael, that's here with us recording, uh, was on the board here at the time, and we just started reading statistics on our board that the average millennial um, doesn't ever carry cash ever, yep. Yep. Um, and hardly ever carries a debit card with them all the time. 
Um, they definitely don't have cash or checkbook. And we were set up as a church that we pass the offering plates up and down the aisle and you put something in the plate. We take it back to the back, total it up, send you a receipt for it that gives you some credit with the government that you made a charitable contribution. And then we put it in our deal. But if you don't have anything but plastic in your pocket, you're not leaving your credit card with us yeah. or your debit card. So yeah. we had to learn that there was a better way to do that and uh, reach some, some different online giving portals kind of reached out to us at first and um, we got to researching some of that we actually had one that we signed up with i think the initial fee was only like two hundred dollars which wasn't that much uh, for us as a church to do for a year um, to sign up with them and add them to our web page which you and miss lisa helped work on for a long time right but when we added it to our web page their their deal with us and i don't know if they're still out there or not if they are we'll drop the notes down uh, for you in the in the link, you'll find some notes on it. But their their deal was um, your giving is going to go up twenty five percent the first year you do this, right? Or we'll give you two hundred dollars back and two hundred more dollars, right? So we couldn't lose on that. Yeah. I don't know if that deal is still out there, but right. we could, we couldn't right. lose to try it. But what freaked me out was how much our giving went up. Oh yeah. Once we posted oh, that yeah. you can give with a credit card sitting in the sanctuary. You can pull up this thing and give yep. and done. And there was a little app that yeah. came with it. And we have a Northside app now and people could give that way. So it really helped with that younger generation participating in what they had not participated in before. They weren't not giving because they were not willing to give. There wasn't a platform for them to give. Yeah. And so when we created the new platform, then all gave. of a sudden we had young people giving to our ministry. Exactly. And that was very, very helpful. And so I would encourage a small church, small as you are, uh, even if it's mostly senior citizens, if you're going to get the young people in your church, the giving platform needs to move contemporary. I laughed with one of the uh, pastors that I hang out with some out of Georgia. Uh, he was saying when he was building a new building, Pastor Matt was building a new building. Oh, yeah. And he was saying, man, I'm going to put an ATM in my lobby. He says, I'm just going to get one of those little ATM machines like you see at the at the gas station. I'm just going to put one of those in the lobby so people can go back there and get their cash and drop it in. Yep. So I'm like, well, whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. So whatever it takes. But you really do need an online giving opportunity for people. And you don't know that people all over, you know, now that you can you know post your sermons oh, yeah. on Facebook or Facebook Live yeah. or whatever, yeah. somebody might hear that in a, in a whole other state or country yeah. and say, man, I want to send, you know, and I'll, 50 bucks, 500 bucks or 5,000 yeah. bucks to that church because that message changed my life. Yeah. And I even recommend, and this is one of the things that, um, that I, that I do in terms of our, our giving platform and our social media with both with 614 and with Northside is you can connect your giving link, whatever it happens to be, whatever service you're using to your podcast and there's a way for and the particular platform that we're using says support the show and you can change that wording to be whatever you want for 614 it'll say support the show for north side it says something else um and and it's a way for the person to click that link and if they like the content that they're hearing then they can choose to donate so it's a, just another avenue for whoever's listening to your stuff to say, Hey, I really like that pastor. I really like that ministry or organization. I'd like to throw some money their way, whether it's five bucks or 500 bucks. (laughs) And we're not, we're not promoting for one second that you're doing all this to raise money or to get money. Exactly. Um, the church is not about that, but it takes money to run the church and people that are receiving the blessing, uh, from your ministry, from your teaching, from your podcast and the things that you're doing, 
Uh, it's not. It's actually biblically correct for them to support the ones that are and the, teaching and training them. And the more places that you can put those links and the more options you can give them to give, the better. Exactly. Exactly. So I, I'm not saying those are the only uh, most important elements and parts of, of the ministry, but I am saying for sure um, that you need to you need to consider all of those and weave into the small group. You want to weave discipleship into the uh, bringing people in. You're discipling lost people to be saved. You're discipling saved people to get stronger and win the lost. So discipleship's part of all of that. Um, but those elements need to be something in your church life for sure. And pastors, young, young pastors and older pastors need to just regularly evaluate how we're doing in these five deals. Definitely, definitely. And these are all five good things to really hang on to. Well, Dad, thanks so much for all of those. And as always, we really appreciate all of your thoughts and feedback about the show. Thanks for listening. You can reach out to us, as always, on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at 614Rebuild. Call us, leave us a voicemail at 601-909-0614. We might even leave your, use your voicemail in an upcoming episode. We would love to add you.